The Ensemble Advice South Africa podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. All discussion is limited to publicly available information and should not be interpreted as legal, professional or financial advice. Ensemble Advice is not a licensed financial services provider and does not provide financial services. Before making investment decisions, you should obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. I'm Louis van der Merwe, Certified Financial Planner. Join me every week where I get to have discussions with global leaders in the financial planning space to help you serve your clients better and run a more efficient financial planning practice. This is Financial Planners South Africa podcast. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion for people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Portfolio Metrics is an authorized financial services provider. Comspace is a revenue management solution developed specifically for independent financial advisors. It is a web-based application that tracks, allocates, and manages advisor revenue. The system seamlessly reads commission statements from financial institutions and can address any permutation of commission splits. Comspace provides mind-blowing, out-the-box revenue business intelligence and analytics, along with super-flexible reporting to effectively manage and grow your business. Welcome to another episode of Ensemble Advice South Africa. Today is a really special episode for me because it goes back to more than two years. My very first guest, Mr. Russell Ho, is back on the show to talk about how things have evolved over the last two years, how he's gone a little bit more deeper, how his approach has changed. And Russell, I can't thank you enough for being here today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Louis, for... (laughs) For having me on the podcast again, geez, I can't believe it's been two years. I feel old, but I'm still young. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think both of us like really grown over the last two years, especially during COVID and all the things that happened last year as well. You know, I, I'm sure we've definitely grown a lot, both personally, but also more in practice and how we help clients. So Russell, I mean, as we were prepping for this call and we were touching on how are you almost living life through your clients? Now you're picking up on these things that they're going through to be able to give them better advice. I want to start off with the fact that I'm seeing people shift away from the money, that they're moving more towards advising someone on their life and that, and the money just happens to be there. Like what have you seen in your client base? What are the What are the themes that people are really struggling with right now? Yeah, so I 100% agree with you. I mean, me and my practice, we kind of made that shift, you know, more than two years ago. Um, and it's also been kind of my philosophy when I advise on our clients is that, you know, it's all nice to say, you know, I want to, for example, I want to invest to become wealthy. But my notion has always been like, okay, but what is that wealth going to give you? Is it going to give you freedom? Is it going to give you security? And a lot of times, you know, we've seen it in our experience as well with advising clients, there's a deeper re, you know, reason or meaning. Um, my parents, especially my mom, used to always say, like, you can make all the money in the world, but when you die, you can't take it with you, you know? So that's the thing that I've also, you know, advise and coach a lot of clients of like, okay, you want to do these type of goals or achieve these things with your money. What return on life or what is it adding to your life? How is it going to make you better or give you, you know, make you feel better about things that are planned ahead? And 
it's getting deeper now where we've spoken about as well of going into more the behavior and the personality of clients especially in my experience it's it's going more past you know, you can set up investments or these type of you know financial solutions um, but at the end of the day if you don't have an intended purpose or, or a deep intent behind it eventually as a human you find it meaningless you know or unpurposeful you know so it's it takes longer than to stay committed to your plans and that it seemed the same on my side it's this focus on hey we need to get this transaction done and it's almost helping that client just to zoom out a little bit and say well you know what is what is this for there's been a shift away from hey we're focusing on your money to more let's make sure that you're healthy and that you're still there for your family assuming that you know you're not going through a time limiting illness you've gone through a bit of a health journey yourself like are are you using this as a you know the poster child for your clients (laughs) like saying hey we're not only preaching about this we we are living this yeah i mean 100 percent. you know and i owe you I've seen it with clients as well where, you know, like they say, money is just basically a tool and it's supposed to bring things or allow you to do things that you couldn't do before in your life, you know, that bring you happiness and joy. And a good example, like, yeah, you mentioned my fitness and you're going back to like my health. You know, I've been in that situation. You know, I probably I can finally remember it was like 2017 where when I first took the leap and I went independent. And I grafted my butt off. Eh? Like I was grafting just on you know, prof- making profits, you know, earning money and all that. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do as much business as I can that year. And the downside of that, and it's probably was the first wake-up call that I got, the first and last wake-up call I got was that, you know, um, I had put on back then, this was before, for those who follow me, those, this was before the bodybuilding show and my whole fitness reversion, you know, um, last year. But like back then, because I was so focused on just like earning money and then you know, making sales or making business, my weight, my I would say my health suffered a lot. And not just my physical health, um, but my emotional and mental well-being. I can still clearly remember I had, I looked squashed up in my suits, you know. Um, I had put on like 20 kgs, so I had gone back from, you know, your late 70 kgs up until probably close to like 90. Um, I was rich, I remember my face, my skin, my well-being was affected. I was and it was mainly because I was so focused on the business only and, you know, doing business that I eventually also became depressed because I used to take my, my, I used to take my civilian clothes or my civvies, as they call it, um, to work so that I could change after hours in the bathroom and then work a, a few more hours after hours. And then I would come in on the weekends. And um, I initially, that was my link of when I realized, like, you know, just constantly working and trying to chase money doesn't bring you happiness because at the end of that year, I was so depressed. Like I probably went into depression without realizing that I was depressed. I was burnt out because, um, you know, I didn't feel happy um, at heart. And aside from like the way the emotional um, unwellness and also the mental aspect of it, yeah, I just wasn't in a good space. And at the start of, you know, the following year, I was like, no, I need to get things back in check. And I've seen it with clients as well. Um, you know, coming back to like my whole recent fitness journey as well, I started seeing that your physical, mental, emotional well-being, you know, to a degree actually is more important than your financial well-being. Because if you don't have all three, those three things, you know, money is not really going to be an important factor in your life. You know, it'll be worthless. It, as I quote, it'll be just meaningless paper, you know, at the end of the day. 
because it's not giving you any somewhere. internal value. Like, yeah, some numbers yeah, somewhere. Ones and uh, zeros <laughs> in the bank. I mean, Russell, yeah. like as you're talking about this, it I sense this like lack of energy. Almost, hey, you've just you were grinding through this, and and I think the way the industry, and I'd say that specifically, like is set up for us to chase money at the beginning. They all almost assume that coming to this profession to sell things where when I speak to successful financial planners and lifestyle financial advisors, like they're not in it for the money. Like, yes, the money is good, but they're in it for helping someone, like making a difference in their lives. And and that is a massive reward by itself. Is that something you have been experiencing since the shift, like a different yeah, sense I mean, of what is rewarding for you? Yeah, 100%. Eh? I mean, um, I'm not going to go deep into like that history and that old period, but like that following year was like what I've mentioned before when I had all those chronic illnesses with my family members and that. And after going through that experience, I made the shift of like, you know, I'm going to put my client and their lives at the center of everything. And my I'm not going to worry about making money. I'm just going to earnestly and sincerely worry about like helping them as an individual. And the way I see it, that's also where I would say I encapsulize my 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 advice philosophy more is that I started seeing every client and I know it sounds weird but I started seeing every client as an extension of my family basically you know so every you know um, person that came in could be a father a son a brother a mother a daughter a grandmother and they had all these people that were dependent on them or were involved in their lives and I'll you know I'll simple I wouldn't say simple, but I would say our job or our duty is more than just doing work. It's like advising those clients and coaching them through all these changes in life because, yeah, we we fortunate to a degree that because of our our profession, you know, for whatever life throws at us and lifestyle events, we can plan and we more than usually ready for those type of things. But we forget that ninety nine percent of our clients don't have that don't have anyone that's in that field or doesn't have a financial planner, they don't have that type of person in their family. So without us, you know, imagine how much more loss there would be going through those type of life events. You know, and I'm talking good and bad, you know. Um, and it's not just, I've also seen it as, it's not just the present generation of your clients that you're dealing with. The actions and advice we give to our clients now have the, you know, the ability to actually affect future generations. My dream is always also like the advice and coaching I give to my clients now. I want a few decades down the line, like the great, great, great grandkids to say, yeah, I'm in this good space and I know how to manage my money and I know how to live a purposeful life because my great, great, great grandfather saw, came in contact with Russell and his team and that changed his whole aspect, you know, uh, on life and also on how to use his money to build a purposeful life. Russell, I want to point out that just there, you didn't place the focus on you. You placed the focus on, hey, that family member, the great, great, great grandfather had the insight and the wisdom to actually seek out counsel and this kind of, you know, seek, seek advice, not just said, oh, I know everything and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go forward and just do this. And I want to talk a bit about as we progress in our profession that you tend to deal with slightly more complex clients. See, what you're saying is that we need to somehow help people that maybe don't have access to professional advice. How do you find that balance between wanting to earn more, deal with more complex things and things that, you know, maybe someone else doesn't deal with, yet 
there's this mass of clients, specifically in the South African context, that really, really need professional advice. How do we how do we balance those two? Yeah, I would say <laughs> that's really like the biggest challenge facing our country. You know, we have such a huge lack of financial education and literacy, and it's been said many times, you know, over the last couple of years within this country. I mean, you know, the scary thing I'm seeing, for example, is like, you know, and not technically retirement, but people just aren't investing enough, you know, and I've seen that over the last couple of months. And I would say balancing that between, and I'm speaking to both financial planners out there, but also clients in general, because we also, we want to make good financial advice accessible. But I do also understand from a financial planner, you know, we have to earn a fee because we only have a set number of hours and we have businesses to run. And at the same time, in order to give great service, you know, we have to, we have a lot of business overheads we have to accommodate for. So I think to meet that blend, what we started doing as well is that, you know, we could incorporate a lot of technology that we didn't used to have access or I would say our older seniors didn't used to have access to many years ago. And that's things like to kind of build more awareness, you can do, like me and you do it, we could do like more public talks, uh, webinars, or put our social media contact out there that is, you know, basically like how do you go about investing, you know, just to kind of help educate and teach a lot of um, clients that maybe can't afford our services. Um, And the idea of where we're looking at it now, especially with technology and AI and robo-advice, which I know a lot of my peers out there are like, don't really want to talk about. We've explored the option where it's possible to use robo-advice, AI, and technology to help maintain and get in contact with, say, the clients that have a simple financial situation and maybe they don't need to see you or have a full and detailed meeting as what you would do with your more complex families. But at least there's that contact where they can still follow you and learn from your social content. And then when their lifestyle does get more complicated and I'm talking about as they progress in life so a good example is you know for us is like and I'll even say this for like the 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 client themselves for their benefit you know um, a student that says they want they've got a bit of savings and they want to learn to invest or they want to invest they want they want assistance on how to invest that money now to also save that student on fees I would say like you know there's content out there or we would put our content that they can learn from how to invest by themselves through something like Easy Equities or Signia or Alan Gray by themselves their platform. But then have that contact of that communication of you can still follow me, you can still get into contact with me um, on social media, you know, just so that you have an open channel so that when you get to that phase in life where you start working, um, you know, you've qualified from varsity, you start working, you, you get a job or you buy a house as your life gets more complicated and you feel like the need to seek out profit advice, then you can obviously reach out to me and we can set up a consult, you know, and then, you know, basically you can pay for our services based on whatever fee option appears to you, whether it's based on products, hourly or a retainer basis. Um, And then that also ensures that we remain in contact with the younger generation or new younger clients, but also that, you know, um, that we're still able to service our more complex clients that are have more complexities. And the whole point of that, I think as well, is that it always puts the assurance out there to the public that you can always have access to good advice, but also for their own interests. I don't want them to be loaded with fees or things like that that's unnecessary that they don't need depending on their phase of their lifestyle, you know. So I think that's a good balance because also I know some public, uh, some of the consumers of public feel like 
about good advice is only for the rich, you know, and it's unattainable, unaccessible. There's a lot of channels, especially through the Financial Planning Institute that, and through LinkedIn, all of us on LinkedIn, that people can go out and see, okay, look up good planners, who they can reach out to, um, and stay in contact through that. You know. It does bring in a bit of a challenge around, hey, I found all this information and now I'm going to my financial planner. You've taught me how to do things uh, on my own. I th- how do you teach them to know when their complexity exceeds the minimum requirements, right? Like when would a client know that, hey, they're ready to deal with Russell? And also, how do you think about that when your career might evolve three or four or five years down the line? Like, what are you what are you seeing in the future that you can communicate to these future potential clients to say, hey, when you're ready and when I'm ready, like, let's meet? Or is it more, let's just stay in touch and we'll figure out as we progress? Like, share with me how you think about this future prospect dilemma. Okay. So, I'll actually, I'll put myself back in that type of client shoe and, like, let me just think back if I was a student. Probably if I had to look back um, and the way I say it, just based on experience as well, I would say the first point to answer your first part of your question of like, when do I seek out a plan or when do I need advice you now is the moment I start feeling anxious about managing my money. Say I start investing, I start with a normal unit trust and I'm like, hey, okay, I've gotten some inheritance money. I started working now. There's a few areas there that I might need advice. First, I nine times out of 10, most of my clients, when they start working, when they start working, they, they don't know how to read a payslip. So they're not sure what tax is. They're not sure why am I getting less than what I was told I was getting paid. Um, so if I, I would say tax planning is a very big part of like what we do. That's an avenue where you as a client could say, oh, as a client, I would say like, okay, I don't understand this. And the income tax is just full of Greek and jargon. Maybe I need to reach out to a planner for like one session just to break it down for me. Um, and then also coming back to the investments, as your portfolio starts getting bigger and now you find like, okay, I'm looking into more than just, you know, just the tax free savings, shares, all this, and you have more money there and it's now connected to what you're earning. I find, in my opinion now, especially in today's environment and how rocky, well, not rocky, but I would say how volatile markets have been over the last few years. The moment you start saying to yourself, I wish I had someone to chat to, to, you know, kind of not validate, but I guess soundboard my thoughts if I'm on the right track. You know, we have it all the time where we talk amongst each other. We were like, you know, is my mind on the right track? You know, and um, you won't believe it. Like, I think a lot of my clients, when they start going through that phase, that's when most of them reach out and or they tell me they started reaching out to me because now they have biases, like behavioral biases that they follow. But also in addition to that, they, they can't make rational decisions. And as humans, we have a lot of emotions involved. So the moment you start thinking, okay, I need someone else to tell me, am I thinking correctly or you know, is there something wrong with the way I'm thinking, then that's when you should seek out a financial planner. Um, going forward, I would say to kind of accommodate those younger clients. So what we are doing on our side, I can kind of share it with you is that, you know, with every planner, you are eventually going to get younger clients. You can't really just turn away younger clients, especially if you're dealing with families and those families have kids or grandkids. So there's two avenues that we are looking with. Yeah, occupation has <laughs> There's two avenues we've, I've planned and I've kind of seen that from quite a, I've kind of like thought about it quite a few years back and it's like in my career planner. Um, and just a disclosure, I'm not married. I don't have kids, <laughs> but um, 
I always thought since I was young as well, and I got in this industry, two things we want to do is like, and we're also going to make it online. It's like have a client online portal where a learning portal in a sense, and you can even utilize like a YouTube channel. It's like where you would put out lessons, short lessons as well, nothing too complex or hectic. Um, and that would be a way of, you know, you could even set up a course, but that would be a way of giving education and awareness to your younger clients that maybe you can't see as much as your more complex clients, you know, because you don't have, um, you have a limited amount of time. Um, and that's how you still, aside from gaining contact, that's also how you continue to add value. Um, I saw that, for example, from Ali Abdul, that's how he scaled his productivity business is that he turned most of his skill sets or education into courses so that that's information that will always be relevant. But then he would position that to his clientele or his market consumers that maybe he doesn't have time anymore to do one-on-one sessions. You know, and they'll buy that, learn that, and then there'll be a progression of like, okay, if you need further advice or you want a coaching session, you can move up to another level. So that's where we think in using social media and building our own courses. And then secondly, another thought that I've been playing for a while that I've mentioned earlier, um, and this is also to kind of accommodate the whole transfer of generational wealth between clients because I've seen that in our industry where, you know, um, advisors deal with the parents, they lose the connection or they don't have a connection with like the kids or the grandkids. And, you know, unfortunately, eventually your clients are going to pass away or retire. Most of that wealth transfers over to the younger generation and then it's lost. And now you, uh, you have no connection with those kids, you know. Um, I always thought as well, I want to do is start boarding family camps or workshops for my clients where it'll be like a weekend getaway. Something really children relax. I'm not talking like a budget speech type of weekend, but like something children relax where you eat. It would be a value add to our clients where we'll do family camps. And at those family camps, you know, in a very simplistic manner, we'll teach your child will learn some form of, I would say, financial habit, financial habit or foundation, you know, something some best compound interest or hard works. But to also add to that, and that's another big thing I've learned as an entrepreneur and also like in our industry, we would also bring, you say, you know, good positive influences or businessmen or entrepreneurs to kind of open their perspective on like things as well so that they also build a strong network. You know, that's one thing I've noticed with like, um, you know, especially being in America where they have all these Ivy League universities. Yes, a lot of those people go and do the MBAs at those Ivy League universities for the education. But more so what I've learned from some of them is that it's more about building their networks so that they have a strong network as soon as they go out into the world. Um, and it's all about our whole culture. What we're looking at is building a culture and I would say a zone of learning for our clients, the kids and the grandkids, and also their families in years to come. Because that, a lot. firstly, a lot of people, a lot of us stop learning the moment we get past varsity level. But also more so, um, I believe that is actually what is true generation wealth, is the passing down of wisdom and education, not the passing down of money, you know. Like if you leave your child 5 million rand, right? And they don't know anything about money. That 5 million rand's gone, basically. <laughs> they could blow that 5 million rand in like a month and it's gone. You know, that's not true generational wealth. True generational wealth to me is like education and wisdom and experiences that you're passing down to your kids from early ages so that they know how to use it in their life. So Russell, a lot of the benefit you will probably never see, right? You have this unknown future payoff that will come when you're not here like 
I find that quite interesting because in a world where we want instant gratification, we want things now, like that your view is very much aligned with that patient investor that says there will be a payoff in the future. And I think it's wonderful. Like one thing that I did pick up that you said there is your career planner and you might have thought, ah, he missed that. He didn't hear that. (laughs) I want to know what is that? Like what does your career planner look like? Have you plotted out the future of Russell Ho in the financial services industry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, actually, uh, I've, it's probably what I did this last December um, is I have my own career planner and most people generally think, okay, it's like when I get to like certain positions, I want to earn certain amounts. My point has always been, and I've always had this notion, is like, and it's something I took from my late mom as well. It's like, you know, if, if I had to pass away tomorrow, like what do I want to be remembered and known for, right? And for me, and I remember this funny as well, my mom was like, do you just, you know, people won't remember these type of people, but do you just want to be remembered for someone that earned a lot of money or do you want to be remembered for, and I know it sounds cliche, but it's something that I resonate with is like, for someone that truly impacted lives of like others, even when you're not here, you know, and I've seen it in current present day where, you know, like they always say, you don't know what's being said in rooms when you're not there. It's that I've heard, clients or referrals or I've been to events and people were like, yeah, you know, so-and-so spoke very highly of you and they said all these good things. And that's not specifically just because of my job or some traits relating to my job as a financial planner, but it's traits more to like me as a person. And me personally, I think that's kind of part of my career plan as well. It's like with a lot of my clients, they would tell you as well, which probably is why, you know, I'm, I've bought a good client base and I still need to do a lot of work. But probably the greatest uh, compliment I've gotten from a client is like, it feels nice for the first time that a financial plan has put me first. And it's like, they actually found it really touching that I, I saw them as an extension of my family. Because um, I put out this post the other day and it was based off advice that I had given to a client was that any advice I give you, I wouldn't give, I, if I wouldn't give that advice to any of my immediate family members, I wouldn't give it to you, you know? So it's like I'm putting my, I would rather, if it's something that we do with your finances or any form of advice, I would look at it, okay, would I offer this to my own family? And if not, then I wouldn't recommend or advise it to you either because you're an extension of my family. And that's part of the the family advice philosophy I have. So going back to the career planner, yeah, like I've set up when I do have kids, it's a long-term thing and probably I will see more. I won't see most of the benefit here, you know, in my lifetime, but I would say it's a change or shift I'll make of like, and it's more focus around the life and coaching of my clients than just saying, you know, the old traditional way which gave ownership and it was like how much how, how many products or policies can I sell this client or how many how much commission I can make the client. It's like, you know, the way I've seen it and it's not just to say again with causa cultures, but especially with a lot of my young black professionals that come from a history of black tax, you know, and they have that circle where like you know, they struggle to break away and have financial freedom or do the things for their lives because of the black tax and, you know, their cultural cultural circumstances. It's not just them, but I've seen it with other clients from other cultures where they have or they because their parents or their great-grandparents didn't have access to good advice or education, they unfortunately are brought up or raised with, you know, poor financial and lifestyle habits. And the way I've seen it as part of my career plan is like, if I can help them break out of those habits... Imagine how much value, how much, you know, that client would appreciate it because you not only helped them, but you helped like their kids and future generations instead of let it continue on. We always talk about like, oh, you know, it's easy to talk on social media of like, oh, you shouldn't do this. Those are bad habits. But 
we don't realize how hard it is for families that come from this cultural backgrounds where they've been raised that way to kind of just adopt a new way of thinking and a new way to like their life. And if you can help them break out of it, it comes back to like my plan is like, even with I'm not here and hopefully, I mean, there's no pressure on kids, my future kids, but if I have my kids that I would generally like to succeed in my practice and I want to just be like a mentor or whatever, <laughs> but if I'm not here, I want to eventually, sounds bold, but I would like my kids to be eventually coaching, doing what I do, the life work I'm doing and coaching like the clients of my, my uh, you know, the kids of my clients, sorry. Yeah. And for that, that to me is my form of legacy that I want to leave. You know, not just a legacy to me is not money. It's the impact that you want to continuously make on people's lives. And Russell, that impact is massive. You might not always know it, but the stories that we hear from our clients and, you know, how how one small thing that you've helped them to overcome or to change has had this ripple effect, this kind of dominoes falling and having a bigger impact. As we talk about this, you know, there's this idea around if you have the knowledge doesn't necessarily mean that you can implement it. Otherwise, if knowledge was all it took, everyone would have six packs and would be millionaires, <laughs> right? So we're dealing with an element of change with our clients where, like you rightly said, it's the emotional changes. It's that insight to say, hey, I need a sounding board. I need someone to talk to. What are the things that are coming up in your client conversations that have maybe surprised you? Like, hey, why is this person talking to me? What are the challenges that you're seeing with your clients? Yeah, so the challenges I'm seeing with my clients and, you know, um, planners like ourselves would probably, you know, share that or vouch that we probably are all experiencing the same thing with the clients. But people forget or don't realize how personal our job is actually with clients because after you bought that level of trust and report, you'd be amazed by how much your clients open up to you. I think over the last year or two years, especially, uh, there's been a lot. I've had a lot of clients that have opened up to me. A big thing amongst my professional younger clients is imposter syndrome and doubt, you know, especially from like burnout impression. So you find that I find a lot of my roles in the lives of clients is a very supporting role. It's like, and it's kind of giving them assurance of it's okay if you feel bad or you feel that way or you feel down, like to communicate that. Um, another thing I've learned just in general when like advising or coaching clients is we sometimes forget to do this, but like just be human with your clients, you know? Um, you might not realize it, but a lot of clients see us as planners as like we live a perfect lifestyle. Like they think like your finances are perfect, you're wealthy, you're wealthy. Like literally you, you've got no, you've got no rainy days in your life. Like your dude, like your life is like perfect. And like, I've come to you God as a client because places. I've got so much problems. <laughs> God, we trade places. Um, and to kind of like further break down that wall with a lot of clients, I would say like I've opened up a lot to my clients and not just like my whole life. I'm, I'm, I'm probably like selective experiences that are relatable to what they, they're going through. To A, form a deeper human connection because that's what clients come to us for. You know, they don't get that out of AI robot. Is that they want that human connection, you know, with you as a planner. And B, you know, they have that trust in you of like, I've seen with clients, aside from imposter syndrome, there's been incidences where a lot of them go through big lifestyle changes. And a big thing I've seen with like a lot of my clients is, you know, young couples, they get married and they have kids. They don't know how to handle it or how to prepare for it. So like we were saying before we went on live, yeah, <laughs> I'm co-parenting probably like 10 
10 couples at the moment that are clients. Because when they come to me, when they have that firstborn and they'll be like, okay, Russell, we had a child now. What would you do <laughs> in our situation? And first I'll be like, I'm not, I, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. But if I was in your shoes and what I know now, and if I had a son, this is what like I would do. And it's not just like the whole point, you know, the whole aspect of like investing early for your kids, but it's like, you know, a whole point of also like my two cents of like what I would do in your shoes when it comes to like raising my child, things to be aware of, like things to prepare. Of. Um, and I, obviously I tell them like, look, I'm not a parent. I'm not, I'm not a qualified parent, but I'm just sharing my opinion or my insight that hopefully it can help you. So I've dealt with Russell, things like is that. This then, from yeah. what you've picked up yeah. from other clients, like what they say have worked for their kids or where is this, where is this wisdom coming from? I would say, yeah, it's 50-50, eh? Part of the wisdom is coming from a lot of my older clients and, you know, some of them have done okay or quite well in their lives, but also they, they've had, I wouldn't say regrets, but things they wish they did better when they were younger. And the other 50% of that wisdom is also just coming from, I sound old when I say this, but I don't know if it's like, because I'm like 32 now, but like growing up, I'm so young at heart, but like, I would say my perspective of life has changed a lot in the sense of, you know, I've seen like what my parents did for me when I was small. And, you know, obviously a big, you know, component of that was like a lot of our parents didn't have access to good advice and financial education. So when it comes to like, when I look at like their situation and even like other older relatives, there's so much regret they all, I would say wishes they had if they met someone that could have taught taught them how to manage their money earlier according to like what they wanted in life. So it comes back to what I know financially is smart, but also from my own experiences of like what I would do if I had a, a child basically or a son, you know, and like not just to give him a, you know, financially like set life or stable life, but more so of like what type of life I want my child to like live, um, like a life of purpose and like intent and not to have like feel pressured by societal measures and things like that, you know? So yeah, I would say that's probably where that wisdom is coming. It's still probably growing or molding because I am learning like every day. Um, but yeah, it's probably events like that, like that I'm doing a lot with clients, you know? And obviously like your typical as well, like clients that are retiring, those they have, uh, family complexities. People don't believe this, but we do more therapy and financial financial crunchy, you know, number crunchy. We do more financial and life therapy than financial crunch, you know. Um, and it's, I deal with a lot of clients as well, lastly, is like uh, clients that are, you know, day-to-day things, trying to appease their parents, you know, family relations. Sometimes it's conflicts between, in you know, between the client's family and the in-laws and things like that. And it's kind of just being that soundboard of like, okay, calm down. I know how you're feeling. There's nothing wrong with how you're feeling. But what can you learn from this? And what good thing can we try and, you know, better your situation practically? I love how you've become this conduit for not the knowledge that you've acquired from a technical perspective or through your studies, but the knowledge and the insight that you've acquired from clients that have lived life. And that we can now say, hey, this is what I'm seeing from our clients purely because you're showing up that way and you've done the work internally to be able to do that but it brings a whole different level of value something that you can't probably put on a business card and say hey we we bring wisdom and insights so that you can live a better life but it's something that i'm seeing from really successful financial planners and just people that have lived a great life is where 
they can take away from other people and share that, not being prescriptive and say, hey, you need to do this and this and this. But these are the things, these are the themes that really make someone live a purposeful and intent life, which is wonderful. Like, what are you, what are you working on to further own this skill? Like you said that you're constantly working on it. Like, what's, what is it that you're doing on a, on a daily basis at the moment? Yeah, so I would say, well, also just to your point, like I 100% agree. And I think I just want to put it out there. I know, and I was like this in my first year of like being in the field, and this is like my ninth year of being in the industry. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm almost a veteran. But like, um, I know there will be planners out there that will say, oh, but we're not life coaches, Russell. We're not therapists. We're financial planners. True. And myself nine years ago would have agreed with you. But then in today's times, if you think about it and all that we've gone through, you can't say you don't add a personal or human touch to it because at the end of it, like it's without, you know, looking into like the person or the individual in their lives, you, you're not actually, and you're trying to focus on like their money or the product, then you're actually not focusing on the person at all. And then eventually what I find, I haven't experienced it, but I've seen it in practice with other practices. A lot of those type of, um, you know, practices or planners, they eventually lose clients. Um, and uh, we've had a few clients that have come to us where they said, I came to you because you're not focused on my money or my net worth, you focus on me, right? And there's no dis- there's no discrimination against me depending on like how much I earn and so forth. You know, you're focusing on like my life and what I want to do with the pay or salary I'm earning and the money that I have to live a purposeful life. So you have to look into that person because on, on, in the summary and, and the simplicity of it is like if you don't focus on the individual or the client you're like oh, I don't do that mushy mushy stuff like life coaching of learning or speak to like their emotions you know I number crunch and all that with today's technology eventually like the client will be like so what am I paying you for if I can just do that through AI or a robot or an app I don't need you then basically but also in addition that your client won't stay um, you know stick to their financial plans and goals, which you've spent hours drawing up for them because there's no intent or deeper purpose to them. They eventually might even see it as like, it's a grudge plan because I'm forced to do Russell's this. Russell's plan. <laughs> yeah, it's Russell's plan. I think that's a big thing I've also like noticed is that, and what we've adapted over the years is that instead of trying to do plans with your approach, the mistake there is that you're making financial plans based on like what appeals to you as a financial advisor or planner, when in fact we should be collaborating with our clients and saying, Yes, I'm here to be your conduit and your your soundboard, but let's build your life plan together because I'm building this plan for your life. I'm not building it for my life. And there's no point It's if it benefits me, it's supposed to benefit you. Otherwise, eventually, you're not going to stick to it, you know, because you'll get bored and you'll be like, doesn't interest me. Um, so I think just to that point, I want to add on there. And then coming back to your question about what am I doing on a day-to-day basis to kind of pull this, you know, we've kind of shared a lot. So we're doing a lot of, I'm doing a lot of like, studies and reading up and listening to podcasts and upskilling, I would say, my behavior coaching skills and behavior finance. I think it's almost going into a bit of psychology and it used to be, I wouldn't say frowned upon, but like overlooked many, many years ago because, you know, financial planning was seen as just number crunching or numbers and products and policies. But over the last couple of years, we find out that our job is focusing more on the person, the emotions and their behaviors. And to understand that, you actually need to understand the human at the forefront. So, yeah, I would say currently now I'm looking into a lot of like behavior coaching courses. Um, I'm listening to, you know, Brendan Fraser's podcast quite a bit and Michael Kitsis up there. Um, Things around the behavior of a client because 
what I also realized, you can get all the top financial qualifications out in the world, you know, but if you can't connect with your client on a human level and you don't have the social and human skills to do that, then it's it's wasteful being a financial planner. Then you must go into like asset management, you know, where you just work with stats and figures the whole day. So yeah, I would say currently, yeah, I'm my we busy like upskilling on looking at um, programs and this is all stuff that's done behind the scenes and people don't see, but it's continuous courses, learning. Um, I've been sharing and networking with a lot of lifestyle financial planners out of South Africa to kind of get an idea of like what is their approach, where are they learning from, how they deal with things. To also, I think that's a big pool of like knowledge or wisdom because you can see, you can get an idea of like how they see things versus you perceive things. Um, and then also, I would say on a day to day basis in practice, like just dealing and consulting with clients and putting myself in like their shoes and what they're going through in their life situations and being able of like, oh, you know, Again, as a somewhat, what do you think if we had to do this? How do you feel about this? Things like that. Russell, I want to say thank you for sharing this new approach that you're taking. It's evident that you really care about your clients and that if you care about your clients, you do whatever is necessary to help them. If that maybe means wearing a life planner hat, or wearing a psychologist hat, not that we're playing doctor or on psychologist but that we're acquiring those skills to really help them. And I want to applaud that. And I want to challenge everyone listening to this to say, what can we learn from other professions where if we bring it into our practice, it makes everything easier, where it makes everything a little bit better. Russell, I look forward to having you again on the show. And with that, uh, I'm going to give you a virtual high five and just say thank you. Awesome. High five. Thanks, Louis. Thanks for having me on the show. And I hope everyone can take something away from this podcast.